You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about Big Black, Atomizer. In the room, I got Rob. Hi, guys. And on the line, I got Ben. Nothing better to do. And Kyle. Hello there. Atomizer is the debut full-length album by the American punk rock group Big Black, released in January 1st, 1986 on Homestead Records. The producer was Big Black, and the genre is noise, rock, and punk rock. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Andy Kalman. No industrial thrown in there. It should, that's it should insane. Be. It really should be. I guess we'll talk about it, but and yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Surprise. After countless rock and neo-industrial outfits attempted to one-up each other's levels of extremity over the years, Atomizer holds up extremely well. It's not every day that one hears a song considering self-immolation as just something to do or another that tackles the case of an alleged parent-child molestation ring from the viewpoint of the offender. Instrumentally, Atomizer is a wailing behemoth of assaultive Roland Beats, Steve Albini, and Santiago Durango's clanging and whirling guitars, and the new member Dave Riley's lumberjack bass. Their musical innovation uh, went a couple steps further, most obviously on the warped beyond recognition guitars of Passing Complexion and Kerosene. The latter is Undeniably, Big Black's bleakest or brightest moment. An empathetical roaming track that features an instantly memorable guitar intro, completely incapable of being accurately described by vocal imitation or physical gesture. It's also Albini at his most plain spoken and bleak. Stare at the wall, stare at each other, and wait to die. It's Big Black's Light My Fire, literally. The record maintains as horrifyingly as the day it was recorded. All right, what do we think of Big Black, Atomizer? It's a very important... I record. love this album so much, I want to punch drywall. Yeah. It's incredibly important. <laughs> it's Super it's, important. It sets the stage for everything to come. It is the progenitor huh? of like what Nine Inch Nails is going to like crest the uh, the wave of industrial with. Like, yeah. th- this is... Yeah. This is I mean, you, you could a uh, lot of shit for sure. You you could uh, like you know you could throw back a little bit to like throbbing gristle, mm-hmm. but this is this mm-hmm. is it with melody. This is it with a fucking backbeat. This is it. Th- th- this is this is what it in punk became. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, r- r- rolling it off of a uh, uh, Roland uh, like uh, what six oh six, Asian yeah. Like, 
maligned shitty drum machine as like the uh like the the backbone of it is just incredible and yeah accents are on the one and three sounds like nothing that you've ever heard Mm -hmm. like it's this this is a this is a full on like this is an original idea and it it's it you know (laughs) for for what it's worth like uh lyrically it's uh it's got some takes. Yeah. Rob, but, you and I both got into this album in high school, right? Yeah, man. Uh, Brandon Parks was in, the guy that introduced me to this. Brandon Parks, yeah. Yeah, the passing complexion like has been rolling through my head since I was like 16. Mm-hmm. Just like that that mm-hmm. guitar line. I thought it was just uh, like uh, uh, harmonics. Mm-hmm. Turns out not. That's what it sounds like. <sighs> But yeah. Anyways, I, I, I will talk more about this. Birch, what do you think about this record? <laughs> Incredible. I mean, this is. Yeah, I think when you say important record, it love it or hate it, you can't deny that this record, along with a lot of the other noise artists that we'll get to very shortly, is is bringing in things that just deconstruct music altogether. Yep. It's it's taking mm-hmm. uh you know Albini had said that he he couldn't care less about rock and roll melodies song structures it was all about the texture and the impact that that a uh, music would have on people when when he you know would play this and i think it he he did it i mean he was looking at things like uh the hardcore scene and he said that's still that's still rock and roll yep no, no matter what you say, Minor Thread is still based in the rock and roll spectrum, and this completely sh- obliterates that. And you're right, Zob and Gristle and some of those other bands were deconstructing it. Uh, mm-hmm. Neubauten, um, they, oh, were, for sure. they yeah. were all going in this direction of saying almost nihilism, almost unstructured uh, noise, but I think... When once you hear Big Black, it solidifies something in your head that says, "Oh, right." It's taken <laughs> to the nth degree of extremity, and that guitar does not sound like a guitar. That the, nothing sounds like an, <laughs> the instrument that you are playing. You know, you're using the the metal picks to get a crazy yeah, sheen. Was on it that. was it filed down uh, pennies? Uh, no, it's just sheet metal that sheet metal? he that he okay, would just cool. cut, cut out and and just that would. That's what they use as picks, and later on they use the um, uh, the metal uh, aluminum necked guitars yep. and shellac just to in you know they controlled their sort of approach to it. I think it's amazing too. Um, in the in the book, our band could be your life. They talked a lot about how it was so 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 difficult to get a, someone to record it to sound like this. It took an mm-hmm. immense amount of effort to get someone to even consider what their approach would be because every single person they you know would get them in the studio and then say this is how you mic it this is how you play this you know this is and so at they this just point of his career was steve albini not just being a sound engineer no electrical no. audio was not a thing no he needed big black to become a engineer he needed that the the money the clout to to then pursue his his own uh ideas Speaking of Steve Albini, the the engineer, I was reading an interview with uh, uh, Frank Black of the Pixies once, and he's talking about recording. I forget if it was their debut, but it, it was a fr- 
Yeah, the, the, well, their first album that they did with Albini. <laughs> and the, his two takeaways were that S- Steve Albini insisted that every member of the band use metal guitar picks. And, <laughs> and he told Frank Black to sing every word as if he hated that word. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah also from the book, just to let go with that um in 1988 he recorded the pixies surfer rosa album in a week and charged them uh fifteen hundred dollars and yet he later called the now classic album a patchwork pinch loaf from a band who at the top at their top dollar best are blandly entertaining college rock a couple of years later when they were a major uh on a major american label electra uh, and flush with dough, he charged them four thousand to record one song. Yep, <laughs> a man of principles. Uh, this one more time, Kyle. We missed it. Or when Steve Albini reported again. What was that? Razor the, blade suitcase? Kyle? Razor blade suitcase. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was Albini. Oh, Bush. Yeah. Yeah. He he did yeah. do uh, razor. I think he he charged them one million dollars. Yeah. I mean he. He has a strict ethos that he'll record anyone. Yep. I mean, they come, they they want to do it, and if they don't want to pay him to engineer, they can use his equipment. Um, and it's a very, you know, he's done everybody from, yeah, Bush, P.J. Harvey, Nirvana, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, and a lot of people are like... Fucking Whitney Houston, man. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, you're a sellout. XPXRX, man. But, no, of course, XPXRX. Fucking Berniac, man. He'll do anyone. He, uh, offered mm-hmm. to re- mm-hmm. he offered to record in utero for free if Nirvana could beat him at pool. <laughs> <laughs> Slick son of a bitch. Oh, that Slick son of a bitch also went on to win a uh, fucking uh, uh, like poker. a World Series of Poker <laughs> tournament. Like he's he's full on like <laughs> he's he's a degenerate in the best possible way and. Uh, just recently a an a, like an article came out where he was talking about like kind of just taking uh, credits the wrong word and I, i'm i'm i've been drinking a little bit but ba- basically just like taking responsibility for the uh like the 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 whole edge lord like scene cuz his excuse of um of why like you know he was taking such disparate stances on certain things and talking about like whatever in whatever way was because he thought in his brain hole that the culture war had been won and that the every everything was like could be a you know a a, a topic of disparagement or mm-hmm. whatever and th- those words are wrong but coming like the, the this, this article is him coming to terms with like we didn't win anything Things are worse than they were, and like you know, you you just can't punch down, and uh, just 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 a lot of like uh, kind of a strangely strange to hear him kind of like uh like yeah I was wrong like to hear hear him even like backpedal is is, is a is a strange thing but yeah he straight up was backpedaling for an entire article and to the point where like people were piping on in on Twitter while he was like doing he was like no. You really should be able to go back and listen to any what anyone had to say like 30 years ago and, you know, be able to, like, call them out for their shit because I was wrong. It's interesting. Like the first track oh. off this record, like, is kind of him falling for satanic panic. From what I read, did you guys look into this? This oh, yeah. Jordan, Minnesota? I know. 
All it was, I saw it's a, was it's true crime, right? Yeah, all, all I saw was a dude named James Rudd got convicted, but it was supposed to be a whole bunch of uh, yeah like, people and, molesting kids in Georgia. Yeah, it was Minnesota. supposed to be a whole parent ring. Um, it was him falling for satanic panic. Yeah, but but the, it was sort of part part of a call, and then it was later sort of revealed that a lot of the kids were coerced and to saying that the oh they, 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 they were they were being abused and everything and in like the same panic was coerced or like oh I got an ice cream for saying that someone raped me right right. So- were there no kids abuse? Were there no kids abused in Jordan, Minnesota, in that story? It, it sounds like, uh, from what I could glean, it, is is that there was at least one uh, person that was abusing children. Uh, James Rudd. Yeah, and then it 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 sort of spun out of control because then they were kind of doing a witch hunt to find you know more people, and then they kind of talked the kids into saying that, oh, yeah, my my parents and, you know, the bus driver and the teachers and everybody. Um, my take on it for Big Black was just he's imagining the worst possible things in in humanity. I mean, everything <laughs> he, he is putting into this album is is literally, um, you know, the awful, awful things that uh, humanity is capable of, you know, with the Third Reich, with with all sorts of brutalism. Um, it's the, it's the essence of, of a uh, crushing of the human spirit. Like every, you know, it's the opposite of any sort yeah, of, no, it's, it, it's a bunch of sensitive kids taking the position of like aggressor, but because they fucking hate that shit so much. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like, uh, Mike Warnke, he, he's the, Going going to the satanic panic aspect, like he's the godfather of like pushing that shit and like grifting everyone and like basically mm-hmm. like there's people still in jail because yeah. the everyone believed that <laughs> yeah satanists were doing things. But uh, to lead into that, let's talk about kerosene, which is you know probably one of the pinnacle uh, songs that big black ever created right i just wrote banger next to it it's, I, it's a, yeah i remember that banger. song changed it was the, the song I, that i, I knew songs. before yeah. listening to atomizer yeah 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 and i mean it speaks to everyone he has, some people kind of even compared him to the opposing side of john mellencamp because mellencamp's talking about the heartland he's talking about you know uh maybe some problems in the in the midwest and here steve albini is doing the same thing but he's painting it in the bleakest sense there's nothing to do no one to talk to i'm all alone yeah kerosene is a standout masterpiece yeah. i mean that is if you have to hear one song off this record it's, oh, it's bleak. Like, <laughs> yeah yeah Probably come 
to die in this town Lived here my whole life Never anything to do in this town Lived here my whole life Never anything to do in this town And I... I don't know. I, you were talking about Albini before, and I, I just think he was... Yeah, he could have been... He's an asshole. He's a self-proclaimed asshole. Um, some people think he's a sort of a genius for presenting that persona, but he's also a putz. Like, he... Total putz. Like, if you read this, you know, this chapter, they'll talk about how he He's can't a jack find, of all trades. Yeah, he can't find his underwear in the morning, and, like, he can't put on the right socks, but at the same time, he... He like wants to get in people's faces and he's he's a Henry Rawlings, but at the same time, Mr. Magoo he's character. Al- he's, <laughs> he's also the guy that has he's cheeky, a- too. Yeah, he hasn't had a single like Christmas with his loved ones for 20 years because all he does is fucking like that. That day he goes out and gives shit like everywhere like he's it's weird. Like yeah. it, it's it, it's diametric to the mythos that he built, but he's actually now trying to like go. Oh, I was a little early on this, and it, no, that doesn't make sense. And yeah, it was a butthole. Like it, it it's yeah. Fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> I didn't say anything. No, you went. <sighs> Say anything. Say anything's a great movie. But no, he uh like he's 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 currently taking like possession of uh he's trying to make amends. I I I don't know. It's weird. Like this article just came out. I don't know. I don't think there's anything on this record lyrically that is like beyond the pale. I don't. I at all. I constantly. You know, I find it really strange that people like I don't know exactly. Uh, I'm having a hard time, like, entering into this discussion because he is doing something that is. Does he really believe those things? Like when he's when he's, you know, if he were to use like racist language in his songs. It, yeah, he it, defends it, that. Yeah. yeah, he uses these these things and it's as if when Quentin Tarantino puts racist language in his movie doesn't mean that Quentin Tarantino like believes that is right. You know, that is something it, I don't know. I, I have a hard time like understanding. Yeah. When he's off stage, I, I don't know maybe every single thing he's, he's given in interviews, but when you're, we're speaking about songs and art and things like that. Yeah. People can have different opinions about that, but it also He's saying things like the Holocaust. He's he's literally talking about awful, awful things. And then for someone to maybe call him out for having having a racist trope or some talking about rape. I mean, he's literally talking about the evils, the the darkest thing that we could possibly get in. When Shellac was on tour with fucking Odd Future, like in Italy, like in his um. I'm not going to say anything. Just fucking look up Steve Albini Odd Future and and just prepare for the fucking cringe. Um like he's he's not he, he's not right. Yeah, I mean he calls his next band Rape Man. 
I mean, it's not. Yes, he's he did. Not as, Off the manga, man. Yeah, he's not. And he thought it was like such a weird thing to have a superhero that rapes people. I mean, that's it is like the personification of someone who's like taken it to the Howard Stern level. Right. Of being. This, it just reads a lot differently. Ass. Yeah. Which is yeah. why he just recently came out with a like, man, I fucked up. Well, I think he probably re- I'm sure he realizes bit. that this is not a healthy thing for people to imitate, and I'm sure people have imitated him. Yeah, like being the the yeah. lord of the edge lords has its uh has its downside. Yeah, because people don't can't read into context. You have to, and that's what this and album is is providing here. He's but, literally hitting people with a brick. Yeah, but th- 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 therein lies the rub, and that's why Tarantino gets the pass is because like in the cans. You don't really know what anybody's saying. You you don't you don't know what the what's going on afterward out of it. But like with a like a, a, a I mean I I hate to continue on this Tarantino film thing, but like his his use of vulgar language and you know whatever like also has a cinematic backdrop to show you that this is not what you know is good. You don't yeah. get that off of this unless you're smart. I mean, but, and, but 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 I don't think it's Steve Albini ever wants to play to dummies. Yeah, but dummies are going to pick up on it and fucking fall. But it's you, not his fault. You don't. You do not get to choose your. You do not get to choose your fans. But at some point, you might have to reconcile for your fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that's why you fucking jump ship after songs about fucking. Are we going to get songs about fucking? Nope. No. 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 Yeah. I think yeah. I prefer it over this one. I thought about that too. And I think it's a better production probably has a better set of songs, mm-hmm. but I think this is the, this is, you know, the start of it. Yeah, for sure. And this is one of, this is the best recorded early material. And yeah, I think they, it stands out for sure. I concur. If there was only going to be one, I mean, this album is incredible. Bazooka Joe uh, might be my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I still think Kerosene, for for my money, just... I, per- I mean, Kerosene's the best one. It just personifies the band and the... It, just everything yeah. about it. There, there's nothing wrong with nihilism. Yeah. Necessarily. Uh, Bazooka Joe. I but the the best thing I learned about that was that part of the drum track is an M1 carbine being fired on a uh, field exercise. Yeah. And oh, you really? know, you know yeah. the name of the man who fired that uh, M1 carbine. His name was Joe. He was Joe. No, but it is about a dude coming home from World War II after murdering a bunch of people, having no concept of what to do with his life, and then there's someone's like, "Hey, Joe, why don't you uh?" I'll show what you do. Come hey, on, I'm now. your buddy. Hey, yeah, I'm your well, buddy. Then, I'm your buddy. Don't you work with me? Well, then the M1 this song is, is uh, bleak as shit. <laughs> so bleak. The M1 is appropriate then. One hundred percent appropriate. Yeah. yeah. That drum machine sounds so good. Yeah, too. I just don't. Why understand does it sound so good? How Why does it the sound so good? crappiest drum machine sounds so good on this? Because Why it does has it sound better than outputs. the okay. electric drums? That I've heard on previous albums we've covered from the 80s. Because there's a person at the board being like, well, no, the bass drum has to sound like this. And 
I mean, it, it, it literally is mostly just like the hi-hat, snare drum, and the bass drum. But yeah, like it has individual outputs, so you can uh, you can fuck with them. Are you saying that uh, one of the guys in this band has the makings of maybe a future sound engineer? <laughs> one of the most important sound engineers of all time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's real. Uh, from Our Band Could Be Your Life, it says, Jagged, brutal, loud, nasty, big black, distilled years of post-punk and hardcore down to a single to a sound resembling a singing saw blade mercilessly tearing through sheet metal. No one had dared to make records that sound that harsh. Probably true. I mean, I would say that... Uh, yeah, it's I'm, super industrial. Ein Strauss and Neubauten definitely dared to yeah. make the shape that sounded this harsh. Yeah, yeah. They dare. But this they has dare a melody to, to turn it. Off the, the, the one thing the Big Black does have is like... It is structured songs that are... Yep. That are Fast and in your face. As too. much as he bitches about rock and roll, yeah, that guy does like a, yeah. Uh, he knows the formula. <laughs> he likes a chorus and he likes a fucking verse. The guitars, yeah, yeah. As much sonic similarities as this has with the uh, Neubauten, I would rather listen to Big Black every day. One hundred percent, but ever again sure. once. Yeah, I think I like some rock and roll structure to my noise. Yep. No, the, the the fact that the book neglected to even com, like compare like even like proto industrial. Yeah. Well, that was how how is uh, how is industrial not included in the genres in that write up? Uh, I mean, that's from Wikipedia, so we need to just yeah. have them change that. That's... But if it's Wikipedia, isn't it us that changes it? Yeah, exactly. We could be the change we, want we could be the change we want to see in the world is that what you're telling me that's exactly right <laughs> cool they've been telling me for a minute that if i only give two dollars and 75 cents <laughs> is that all that's like the cup of a the cost of a cup of coffee won't you i give them twenty dollars a year at least and they still come for me yeah so uh that live cables at the end of the record is yeah good, huh? that's a solid song According to the uh, the liner notes, yeah, that, that was the uh, it was a benefit show that they were playing, and it was the only benefit show that Steve Albini had ever been to, where the owner demanded his normal door pay. Yeah. <laughs> I want to whip my beak. Yep. really interesting let's talk a little bit about you know we've talked about how albini is an asshole and he confesses as much yeah um let's talk a, a little bit about his like punk ethos that blends a little bit with the discord label and things like that so when he signed to uh homestead records that no contracts there were no contracts signed because he said we don't need the contracts. If you're going to rip me off, then you're going to rip me off and I'll just walk away. And if you don't rip me off, then I'll stay. And it, he had this sort of mentality that if I don't sign anything, then you have more incentive to work with me because we're just going to want to be mutually beneficial. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting that he's just like, 
No, if I play a club and I don't, I'm not signing a contract because I'll know if you rip me off and I just won't come back to the club. Like, well, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out who's the good person and who's the bad person. Mm-hmm. I don't need the contract to necessarily, you know, do that. And obviously in the, in the early stages of punk, that kind of made sense. Um, but later on, Homestead Records asked if they could use one of the songs for a 12 inch that they would use for promotional uh, elements. And later on, he found he was like, OK, that's fine, but you can't sell it like we're not selling this song because it's not a very good song. I, I don't want it, you know, out there. Uh, he later found it in a Chicago used bin uh, in a Chicago record store. And he said, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. They're selling this record in Chicago. He called up the label, disguised his voice to Homestead, and he said, hey, can I buy some copies of uh, this big black record? And they said, uh, sure, yeah, you don't live in Chicago, right? Because we can't sell to any any places <gasps> in Chicago. So they had Homestead was selling outside of the city, hoping that the band would not find out that they were ripping them off. Albini's gonna find out. (laughs) That's what he does. (laughs) He doesn't. He just wakes up every morning and finds out. Uh, So he talked to actually, I think it was uh, Thurston Moore, Sonic Youth, and he put him in touch with. um, uh, And then they went with Touch and Go. Touch and Go was like down the street, and they're like, oh, another cool label. Um, He had met them at a at a music conference. I think it was like '85. So. Just and then he's been the the patron saint sort of of Touch and Go Records because yep. every one of their artists, it's like record with them. Yep. Go, go to Steve Albini; he'll give you a good deal and he'll make a good product. So there you go. Both are true. And yeah. then from there, go to Carl Saf to get mastered. Carl Saf, uh, absolutely. Carl Saf, absolutely. Going to give you a, a good deal, and he's he's very he's thorough. Yeah. Uh, so the only the only song on here I didn't put a star by was uh, "Strange Things." Yeah, that one. I think even the band was like, eh. "Yeah." So so. Yeah. Um, from the liner notes, save a bad song, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite is at the the album that came out after this. They were like, "Not as good as Atomizer." Just so you know, like they put it on a sticker on the hey, front, cheese. Co- front cover, <laughs> <laughs> and they were, and they basically said, "I didn't want to mislead the public. I mean, if we thought it wasn't as good, that's fine." <laughs> He's just such a scamp. Yeah, this album, I believe, I'm trying to find the exact number, but I think it was eight thousand that they initially sold. Jesus. And that uh that was big time for them. That's like Mekong's numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But it also when they started touring outside of Chicago, all these people started praising them critically and they got so pissed off because <laughs> all of a sudden they're in New York, they're in Boston, they're in, you know, overseas but and everyone's like this band's amazing. No and one gives a no one cares in, in Chicago. Chicago. So they put a band and they wouldn't play Chicago for a while until they got <laughs> no. their due because they were like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like you should be the ones helping us out. And they do eventually, or yeah. at least they, 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 some people take the, uh, the torch and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is, th- this is incredibly important for the, uh, for, for what's going to come down the industrial pipe. It's, uh, it's right there, man. 
Yeah, you can hear it. It's important. Rob, is this is this the same like giant drum machine that we had? Nope. Back in the nineties, no. do you remember that giant drum machine we had? That was a Nakai. Uh, no, that was a Kawai. It's the same yeah. one. It's the same one that Trent Reznor used on Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah. Um, but no, that no, we're, it's not the same one. This is a like roll, the, the Roland six hundred six. It's a tiny it, one, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a little baby boy. Yeah, like it's a it, if you look at a Roland three hundred three, which like is why acid music exists. It, it looks exactly the same as that, just not as cool. I didn't talk about his fondness for naked Raygun. He was just obsessed with naked Raygun. Yeah, a band, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically. It was the only band that he really got into mm-hmm. originally. All right, I'll stop blabbing about this. I mean, he's a obsessed, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. But Nick Reagan's great, so he he found the right one. Man, that guitar tone's so good, though. Yeah, ah, is that, is that so a good. metal pick playing an oh, aluminum yeah. guitar? Oh, yeah. yeah, and when you see them live, they have these like custom boxes. I mean, most of the things they have are like custom because they're audio engineers and. Yeah. Uh, but when I saw shellac, it was just like a metal box that you couldn't see any sort of labels. And then every all the you know pedals or whatever were custom pedals. You had no idea. So, Bruce, did the, you see uh, what's the, what's the shellac brand at uh, Rhinos? Yeah, I did. What's the brand what's of guitar? The, what's, yeah, that makes those aluminum guitars. Like yeah. uh, uh, Notaro had one. I, I know Albini plays them. Yeah, those, Rob like, aluminum has one. Neck- yeah. Elliot has one. Uh, Who made oh, it? Electric Guitar Company. Electric Guitar Company, thank you. Yes. Man, what a memorable... Uh, yes, that's why I can never remember yeah. their name, is because it's called Electric Guitar Company. Do they go by EGC, at least? They do. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, and those those are quality instruments. Um, I, I don't know if I swear by them, though, because they seem like... As far as I've heard, they they go out of tune if it's cold. Like if you're in cold and warm, it goes out of tune right away. But if you're in relatively the same temperature, it, it stays in tune pretty well. Does metal oh, flex more so more, more more so than than wood? Yes, it's yeah, yeah because the it's like just imagine if they're out in a cold car, you bringing them into the club, and then that's going to the flex a bit more. Man, even if it didn't. Just like playing a cold metal guitar, yeah, it's got to be. Like, it, it's got to affect your your yeah. playing. You know? I will say they're really nice because you can get a really thin neck on them. Mm-hmm. That's the the beauty of those, and they do sound like weird. They have that sort of uh, alien sound to them. So they're pretty cool. Yeah. So, Birch, do you think this this should be the last of Steve Albini's like? Audio, like his his thoughts and output like for the book i mean i, I think I, I, I think a thousand hertz would probably sit pretty well that's widely considered the best shellac album yep um and it also shows a lot of growth whereas i feel like earlier shellac albums had had a little bit more of straight a little bit live at action park yeah in a terraforming things like that like they're just like a not quite as control. I think a thousand hertz would have would have been right at home. If we don't get, you know, we're gonna get Jesus Lizard. I don't think we are. You gotta be kidding me, buddy! I don't think we are. 
Well, yeah, I, I think there's a big old gap in the touch and go uh, catalog for uh, for this book. Pause. It. We have to. It'd be weird if we didn't Some touch and go. No, you're right. Yeah. There's no Jesus lizard in this book. There's no Jesus lizard in this book. Yeah, that's a that's a big oversight in my opinion. Jesus lizard has to be here. Wow. Yeah, okay. Man, it's big. It's a big old hole. Yeah, and I'm not just saying that as a, as a fan. I think that that's that stuff's important. <laughs> hey, guess what? I like atomizer. Yeah, <laughs> I like atomizer too. This was the first listen for me. I wasn't here last week. I've loved talking with you guys this week. Yeah, atomizer is uh, as much as I love those early like Neubauten and this industrial things. Mm-hmm. This just sums it up. Oh yeah, oh, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, until we get to, you know, maybe Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, and and the other industrial stuff, I feel like this is just... I love Neubauten, but why this not? makes me want to flip a fucking car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I love, like, how they justify the drum machine. That's why. <laughs> That's a classic Albini response. Yeah. <laughs> this is all you get. <laughs> Everybody on board for this one? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Thumbs up. Yeah. Bert, what we got next? Next time we'll be talking about Suzanne Vega. Suzanne Vega. All right. Thanks, y'all. Woo!